It's time for you to get your mRNA vaccine so we can fix climate change. Puny God. January 23rd, 2024. I'm Dave Rubin. This is The Rubin Report. We are live streaming on Rumble, YouTube, and Locals. Oh, and for the first time ever today, we're giving you people on the Instagram, if you've got that on your computer phone, uh, five minutes of the show. Just testing it out, seeing what happens if we put the first five minutes of the show on Instagram, and then if you want to jump over and, of course, watch us on Rumble or or elsewhere. So we're going to just test that thing out today. Post-game show, as always, rubenreport.locals.com. And before I do anything else, and we got a jam-packed show for you today, uh, before I do anything else, I want to mention that yesterday we broke the record of most channel views across platforms that we have ever had in the history of this show. And what is interesting about that, that's of course always nice when we break any uh, record, is that yesterday, Monday, breaking that record, it was a record that we had set on Sunday, And that was also a record that we had set on Saturday, and it was also a record we had set on Friday. So for the last four days, every single day, we have broke the most views across all platforms, which obviously is awesome, and it shows that there is at least a little bit of a sanity movement in this country. I think it also shows a theory that I've put out there for quite some time, which is that if you just do what you think is right, and if you build it, they will come. You know, a lot of people said to me, Dave, if you if you go with DeSantis, the Trump people are gonna be pissed, you're gonna lose your audience. I always talk to you guys about audience capture, that one of the problems that I think so many people in this business have is you start seeing you get clicks by doing a certain thing, and then you just go more to that. And then, then it ends up becoming a grift, right? It doesn't become something honest and real. It just becomes the constant quest for clicks and for, and for cash, basically. Uh, I've done what I thought is right this entire time, but particularly, I think, in this last year, and I think ultimately uh, the numbers have uh, borne that out. So that's, uh, that's pretty sweet, and I'm feeling good about that. Uh, and that gets us to what the theme of the show is today, which is that, you know, with all of this diversity, equity, and inclusion talk, and all of the Marxist nonsense that has been pushed on us for these last couple of years in America, but especially in this last year, uh, I think over the last few months, there finally is a real serious concerted pushback against it. And not only is there a pushback against it, but as we talked about yesterday, now a whole bunch of people are just saying, no, 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 no. Whether they're MMA fighters or whether they're Donald Trump or whether they're school board members or whoever else, enough people now are finally saying, you're all BS artists, we don't want anything to do with you. And of course, we will see how that kind of lays out what happens in this political year going forward. And of course, I should mention also that today is the New Hampshire primary. So we will see, is this Nikki Haley's last stand or will uh, will she do all right? Because it is an open primary, you might get some Democrats, some crossover people. Uh, and maybe she'll does okay, and then that pushes her towards South Carolina, which is her state, and then maybe towards Super Tuesday. But we're not even gonna cover that today. Today we're diving deep on the DEI stuff and the pushback, because I want people to understand that there are a whole bunch of confused people on this, right? Like you've got your Mark Cuban types that are pushing DEI, who I think are kind of well-intentioned but confused about the issues. Then you've got your sort of Joy Reid types uh, and the and the academic layer types who are the true Marxists and communists and everything else. But enough people are now pushing back. And I wanna start, uh, well, you know what? Let's start actually by a little clip that I did. I was part of this little thing. Uh, you guys know I was on Gutfeld with an exclamation point over there on Fox News uh, on Friday night. And uh, Greg was talking about the unpopularity, the sudden growing unpopularity of the DEI movement in America. I think that'll set us up nicely. It's literally impossible to create equal outcomes in a universe of individuals. That's why you rarely see a virtual tie in a foot race. DEI is the most anti-individualist endeavor ever, for it assumes that there's no diversity among individual talents, which is why they hamper excellence by promoting mediocrity. And now we're preaching this crap in the greatest military on the planet? Why don't we just turn the keys to the Pacific Fleet over to the Chinese right now? This is supposed to be the only place left that depends on meritocracy. But then again, if you look around the rest of the America's storied institutions, we've ditched that gold standard. So why should the military be any different? 
Look, I just want the deadliest military on earth, not the most diverse. I don't care if our soldiers are straight. I just want them to shoot straight. <laughs> Dave, it's, it's so weird because what we're seeing right now is everybody running from DEI. Even Democratic candidates are running from it, and yet this is still up on the Navy website. Does this scare you? Greg, I will talk about that, but can we talk about your glasses first? Yes. Because you, you look like a middle-aged lesbian poet. <laughs> which, which actually might be DEI for Fox, because yes. I... <laughs> DEI is, as you laid out, it, it is the reverse of everything that America was founded upon, which of course is equality of opportunity. And nobody, the thing is, nobody in America cares about this stuff except the people that are bludgeoning us with it. Mm -hmm. And until we just get back to not caring about whether your doctor is black or white or your pilot is black or white, if we're gonna care about that, we're gonna have an awful lot of planes falling out of the sky, mm -hmm. and we're gonna have a lot of doctors that don't know how to perform surgery, and that would be problematic. But also, it'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> okay, putting aside Greg's lesbian uh, glasses, uh, the point is that if we are going to inject something other than skill in our military and with our pilots and with our doctors, then we are going to degrade the entire system, right? We will have a military, that it was a good line, that will not be able to shoot straight. We will have doctors that won't be able to perform surgery. We will have pilots that do not know how to fly planes. I should note real quick, we're gonna jump over. If you're watching on Instagram, we're about to cut the feed, so join us on Rumble uh, right about now. That was a little test, we'll see what happens. Uh, but the point of all of this is what has happened? I, I know you guys know all of this. You guys know DEI is not good. You guys know that racism isn't good. We should have put all of this stuff to bed. We thought it was put to bed and then these people woke it up. So what happened? What happened over the last couple months that suddenly it seems like it is not cool anymore to be into DEI, that now we're exposing the Karens and the hysterical people and the Marxists and everything else. Well, I think something very obvious happened, uh, and I think you actually know the date that it happened on. There is a specific date that this thing all started turning around, and that is the 7th of October, and we all know what happened that day, and now I'm gonna connect that to everything else. Uh, but real quick, let me talk to you guys about TWC Health. Guys, recent clusters of respiratory illnesses in northern China, alongside outbreaks of what's being referred to as the white lung syndrome in the United States are scattered across the headlines right now, drawing attention to the importance of being prepared for medical emergencies. With close to 90% of pharmaceuticals in the U.S. being produced outside of the U.S., what happens when the next global crisis strikes? Countries clamp down on exports, they stockpile, the price of drugs rise, and the pharmacy shelves in America become empty. This is already starting to happen, so what's your solution? You guys have heard me talk about the wellness company before, but when we're staring down the barrel of times like these, their medical emergency kit is a must-have. The Wellness Company is home to Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. Drew Pinsky, who's gonna be live in studio next Monday, and truth-telling doctors who are rooted in their commitment to building a parallel healthcare system and empowering you to take control of your health. In a time when over 40% of Americans say they would avoid a doctor or hospital unless it was a catastrophic situation, the Wellness Company's medical emergency kit provides a solution. This handy little kit includes eight potentially life-saving medications for you to keep on hand, along with a guidebook for safe use. The medical emergency kit includes antibiotics, antivirals, antiparasitics like amoxicillin, z and ivermectin to help keep you and your family safe in times of natural disasters, supply chain shortages, or medical emergencies like white lung or COVID. Go to twchealth.com slash Ruben and grab your emergency health kit right now. That's twc.health slash Ruben. Code Ruben saves you 15% at checkout. And now back to me. Okay, so look. 10-7 happens, 2,000 Israelis killed, rapes, murders, bodies burned alive, children, there are still 150 or so hostages. The sheer barbarity of it, the fact uh, that the Hamas soldiers, whatever soldiers, terrorists, barbarians, whatever you wanna call them, that they videotaped all of this, they were live streaming it on some of the victims' phones, uh, they put it out all to the world to see, right? That's exactly what they did with intent. Uh, as many people have pointed out over the last couple of months, at least the Nazis and that attack on 10-7 was the worst, most, most amount of Jewish people killed in a day uh, since the Holocaust. Uh, but at least the Nazis had the temerity to hide some of what they were doing. 
you know, when you see video of what they were doing now at Auschwitz or in some of the other concentration camps, they were recording it for themselves and it was to be kept private. It was only exposed after the Allies won the war. They weren't broadcasting it out to the world, right? They were hiding their atrocities to the world. But Hamas wanted the atrocities to be seen. Because of that, and despite all of the nonsense that we've seen you know, in the last few months since in terms of backwards people protesting for Hamas, the very types of people that Hamas would gladly kill if they were living in their territory, um, a lot of people have woke up. People were shocked to see the barbarity. So I wanna connect that to something that happened yesterday. Uh, Elon Musk and Ben Shapiro visited the Auschwitz Museum. Uh, it's not the, they visited the site of Auschwitz and then there is a museum there. Uh, and they talked a bit about what has led to this now, I would say, pushback against some of the craziness that uh, we've been illustrating lately. Now, the crossover between you know, some of these rallies on college campuses in favor of Hamas, I mean, they, they unite the, the weirdest coalitions maybe in human history. You'll yes. see LGBTQ flags in favor of Hamas, where, of course, if an LGBTQ person were to be actually in the Gaza I mean, Strip, they would no longer be in the Gaza Strip, they would be dead. Yes, um, exactly. Th that coalition like, is... That's, like, seriously out of touch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. It, it, it isn't, but it only isn't out of touch in the sense that there is a coalitional idea here yeah. that basically power structures must be torn down at all costs, and if that means allying with people who hate me, then I'll ally with people who hate me. And, and the fact that that's grown in fervor since October 7th really is, you know, as I said to me on a, on a personal level, quite shocking. You know, what do you make of the future of a West if, if the West continues to embrace that idea? Well, I, I think we really need to, to stop this principle that the, the weaker, norm, normally weaker party is always right. This is simply not true. Um, if you are in quotes oppressed or, or the weaker party, it doesn't mean you're right. Um, because if some of those, you know, we weaker uh, groups want to annihilate you, that does not make them good. It, it, we, we just we, we have to get rid of the rule that that if you're weaker, you're automatically good. That's that's obviously makes no sense. Um, you know, it, you know, it often makes sense. Whereas, like, okay, you don't want to beat up on someone smaller and weaker than you. Um, but if that if that smaller group wants to kill you, that they're, they're bad, <laughs> okay. You know, it's interesting because Elon, for as absolutely brilliant as he is, it's like one of, I think, his main skills is saying sort of complex things in very simple ways. Like he uses very simple language there. Just because you are the perceived weaker group, in this case, the, the Palestinians, it does not mean you are good. No matter what your perceived oppression is, Again, perceived oppression, you are not allowed to burn babies alive and put them into ovens. You are not allowed to rape women and murder men, women, and children in, in just the most unthinkable possible ways. That does not make you good or just. But unfortunately, that is what much of the modern left now believes. And then, as Ben points out, they created this crazy coalition of people, LGBT people for Palestine, gays for Palestine, which of course is very different than Palestine for gays. Like the, you think about, think about it, if you're a Hamas fighter somewhere in Gaza right now, and you're seeing on Twitter, because they still do have electricity, you're seeing on Twitter some genderqueer weirdo in Berkeley cheering you on. Like think how absolutely hilarious you must think that is. But they thought, the left thought they could take all of these people, they could remove all of our individuality, which is the most important thing about us, that you have thoughts, you have an ability to ration and think about the world and reason and then put that into action. They thought they could remove all that and then just say, oh, you're Palestinian, so you're oppressed. You're queer, so you're oppressed. You're black, so you're oppressed. And then what are we gonna do? We're gonna combine all of you. Like we're combining a whole bunch of transformers into a much more big, a much bigger powerful robot. And that will be the thing that, that basically destroys the West. But because of the sheer barbarity of October 7th, they are starting to realize that, that a lot of people are seeing through the nonsense. One way that you can really see through the nonsense is to not look at everything through their oppressed oppressor prism, and Elon continued uh, talking about that. Um, I mean, I'm a big believer in moral absolutism, not moral relativism. There is there's good and bad in the absolute, um, and you judge 
any group or individual against absolute moral standards, not whether they're, they're the so-called oppressed or oppressor, just on absolute moral terms. Are they doing good things? Do they want to murder innocent people? That's bad. <laughs> it doesn't matter who they are. Right. So imagine if morals were absolute, not relative, right? Not, okay, occasionally you can rape women, occasionally you can burn babies alive, but if they were absolute, we would not be in this place. We wouldn't have a generation of people that would be so confused, that would be out on the streets marching for causes, that would gladly see them enslaved or beheaded or a whole bunch of other not good things. So the point is that Americans, and actually people all over the world, the good, decent people, were shocked to see so many people who have been marching in favor of genocide, and what's going on on the college campuses, Harvard, uh, and the other elite schools. And that is exactly why DEI is becoming unpopular. And it also, you could connect it to the rocket fuel that is pushing Trump right now. He is viewed as the antidote to all of that nonsense. Here's another one uh, from Elon and Shapiro talking about the root cause in all of this. And uh, yeah, you guys get it already. You know, that theory of power and group identity is really ugly, and we see echoes of it today. I mean, the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion ideology that basically suggests that all of society is a vast yeah. pyramid of group identity, and that at the very top are the people who are successful, and that those people are exploiting everybody else. And we can tell who's successful by their group identity, not by their level of success, by their group identity. Yes. That matches up incredibly, it syncs up almost a Venn diagram no, circle I, I, with anti-Semitism. Absolutely, the diversity and actually inclusion, I mean, you should always be wary always be of any name that sounds like it could come out of a George Orwell book. Okay. <laughs> That's never a good sign. Um, and uh, because it sounds like, sure, diversity, equity, inclusion, these all sound like nice words, but, but what, what it really means is discrimination on the basis of race, uh, sex, and um, sexual orientation, and, uh, and, and it's against merit. Um, and, and thus, I think, is fundamentally anti-Semitic. So, um, yeah. Um, you know, the... I, I think the, the, the whole, all of the sort of the, the, all, all of the riots that were in the uh, major cities and college campuses, I think, was uh, a shocking wake-up call to, um, I think, any 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 sort of civilization or civil-minded person, really. So there he gets to the thesis of the show. What caused the wake up? Like, why is it so many people are suddenly like, oh, this thing isn't good. I've kind of been involved in this diversity, equity, inclusion thing. It kind of sounds good. What do I always say about all the ideas of the left? Like, it's a very thin veneer, right? The veneer is pretty good. Oh, diversity, equity, inclusion, it kind of sounds good. Those words all sound positive. And then you peel that thin veneer and then you see something really nasty underneath it. Now you can also see, as Ben and Elon are talking about that, why the World Economic Forum types and why all of big tech and big government, why they hate Elon Musk. Because everything he's talking about represents the individual, it represents you. He bought Twitter, a failing product, a product that he is losing millions and millions of dollars on every single month. He bought it so that more people could have their voices out there, right? So that they could fight all of these bad ideas. Just imagine, since October 7th, if he did not have Twitter, we would have virtually no idea what's going on in the world. I think you could also argue that, that Trump wouldn't have the momentum he would have and more. But Elon's been talking about this diversity, equity, inclusion thing uh, since 10-7, and, and really even before that, and we should uh, pay attention to it because he is an African-American, don't forget that, right? he is from South Africa. <laughs> anyway, here's a tweet from Elon about diversity, equity, inclusion, where he just kind of nailed it very simply. I think we've shown this one to you before. D-E-I must D-I-E. The point was to end discrimination, not replace it with different discrimination. And that is where we are at right now. The mainstream narrative actually is constantly pushing discrimination. You should not be discriminating against white people when you're hiring. That is discrimination. You should not be discriminating against Asian students who want to get into college. That is discriminating. You should not generally be calling for the genocide of Jewish students at colleges. That would be a problem. 
uh, we're gonna get on the other side of this to, uh, to some of the people that have been confused about this because I think there is, people always say, well, where is this all coming from? What do these people have in common? And I think there's kind of two buckets. You have your sort of well-intentioned but really confused people, sort of like the Mark Cuban types. We've talked about him a bit over the last couple of weeks. And then you have your, the genuine bad actor types who are pushing all of this. So we'll get to that after I talk to you guys about Moink Box. I think you know a little something about Moink Box, like that 60% of US pork production comes from one company owned by the Chinese. And their hogs are given something called ractopamine, which is banned in 160 countries, including China. Yet you find it in your grocery aisle every day. Well, guys, there's a better way. That is Moink, which of course is Moo plus Oink. Moink delivers grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pasture pork and chicken, and sustainable wild-caught Alaskan salmon straight to your door. Moink farmers farm like our grandparents did, and as a result, Moink meat tastes like it should because the family farm does it better. The Moink difference is a difference you can taste and you can feel good knowing you're helping family farms stay financially independent as well. You choose the meat delivered in every box, like, like ribeyes to chicken breasts to pork chops to salmon fillets and much more. Plus, you can cancel any time. Shark Tank host Kevin O'Leary called Moink's Bacon the best bacon he's ever tasted, and they guarantee you'll say, oink, oink, I'm just so happy I got moinked. Keep American farming going by signing up at moinkbox.com slash Ruben right now, and listeners of this show get two free steaks in the first box. It's the best steak you'll ever taste, but for a limited time, moinkbox.com slash Ruben, moinkbox.com slash Ruben. And now back to me. Okay, so I wanna unpack a little bit. I think we've given you sort of the, the bumper sticker version of what's wrong here. That's everything that Elon and Ben Shapiro just laid out. I think those are mostly ideas you know, but I think it's worth noting that, that those ideas are now bubbling into the mainstream and that is really, really good, right? If you, if you watch this show, if you get your news from online people, you're always gonna be a little bit ahead of the curve. It doesn't mean you're always gonna be right or I'm always gonna be right, but you're gonna be a little ahead of the curve of what bumps into the mainstream, right? And that is what we just laid, that's what Elon and Ben are talking about, it's what we're always talking about here, you know, sort of poking holes in this nonsense. Now the issue is that there are well-intentioned people who are not racists or, or anything else, who have bought a lot of this nonsense uh, and, and pushed it out in their own way. One of these people is Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, of course, from Shark Tank, and he's a tech billionaire, and he has been one of the main people on Twitter pushing these ideas of diversity, equity, inclusion. So I wanna show you this tweet from Mark Cuban. This is, this is a new one, because you may remember about two weeks ago, we did a whole, he got into a whole thing with Elon Musk over diversity, equity, inclusion, but he's still doing it, it's wild. So here he goes, uh, this is, this is uh, from about two weeks ago. He says, let me help you out, he's talking to Elon, and give you my thoughts on DEI. Diversity, good businesses look where others don't to find the employees that will put your business in the best possible position to succeed. You may not agree, but I take it as a given that there are people of various races, ethnicities, orientation, et cetera, that are regularly excluded from hiring consideration. By extending our hiring search to include them, we can find people that are more qualified. The loss of DEI-phobic companies is my game. My gain, 1A, we live in a country with very diverse demographics. In this era, where trust of businesses can be hard to come by, people tend to connect more easily to people who are like them. Having a workforce that is diverse and representative of your stakeholders is good for business. Uh, that was in a response to a tweet. Can you put that up for just one more second? That was in response to a tweet from Elon Musk where he said that discrimination on the base of race, which DEI does, is literally a definition of racism. Now, I wanna say something about Mark Cuban here before we get to his more recent tweet, because that one was about two weeks ago. One of the things he's saying there is that in, in essence, you should, that, okay, there's different people and different people think different things. Now, that is true. It is also true that different black people think different things. Not all black people think the same thing. Not all gay people think the same thing. White people, et cetera, et cetera. But once you inject that into your corporate hiring practices, you have degraded the pool. That is 100% true. Every single time we have hired for the Rubin Report, when we've put up a public hiring, I don't mention anything diver about diversity, equity, inclusion. When we have our rounds of hiring where my team goes through the applicants first, they go through the resumes, then they have Zoom meetings with them, and then a couple people get to me where I have a Zoom meeting with them, it has literally nothing to do with race. We happen to have three white guys in this room. We've got an Asian guy in the back room over there. Why, we, why do we keep the Asian guy in the other room? That, actually, I've never thought of that before. Joey, how you doing over there? He's doing all right? Okay, Joey's all right. I, we, that, that's complete coincidence, okay? 
But the point is, I didn't hire him because he's Asian and I didn't hire them because they're white. It, that in and of itself is racist. But, but again, I think what Mark Cuban is trying to do here, I don't think he is a racist. I don't think he is a, like a communist lunatic. I think he's confused about the idea. So now I want to get you to a more recent, we, we should let Joey here, I guess. <laughs> Maybe we should. Um, but now I want to get to a more recent tweet from Mark Cuban. Check this out. He wrote, with that in mind, he's talking about DI, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. With that in mind, 94% of new jobs in the S&P 100 going to people of color sounds about what we ought to expect. It's not evidence of employers going to especially great lengths to hire minorities or discriminating against white workers or doing anything other than fishing where the fish are. If the percentage were much lower than 90%, that would be cause for concern. Connor, leave that up for just a moment because what he's referencing there is a report came out that the S&P 100 companies it's crazy. You can't even believe this. You're looking at it right now, but it is true that 94% of the new jobs that they hired last year were people of color. And what he's saying is that if that percentage were much lower than 90%, that would be a cause for concern. That is racism. It makes no sense whatsoever. That is clearly these companies, which have these diversity, equity, and inclusion departments, right? They are looking at candidates only based on the color of their skin. It is not to say that all of the people they hire are, are unqualified. I'm sure some of them are, but I'm sure many of them aren't. And why? Unless you were a sort of neo-racist, a modern racist, why would you be upset that your company had 50% white people? What he's saying is, oh, if it was anything less than 90% black and brown, that would be a problem. Why, why would you want to discriminate? against Asian people. Joey should be able to decide what we're having for lunch today, I've decided. Um, you get it, you get it, I know you get it. Uh, but Mark Cuban, he has a long history of this, and I think there's there's something going on with him. It's partly because he's an owner of a basketball team, which has mostly black players. We'll get to that in a sec. He feels a little guilty. He's white, he's a billionaire, he feels a little guilty. Uh, you may remember this uh, during the 2020 George Floyd Floyd riots when they were burning down pet boys and targets in the name of diversity, equity, inclusion, and all that good stuff, uh, talking about how rioting and no justice, no peace, that's really an allegiance to the American flag. You know, all this stuff about the flag and kneeling, you know, got me thinking about the Pledge of Allegiance. You know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And we all said that pledge growing up here in the United States and going back to it, liberty and justice for all. That's what this flag is supposed to mean for all of us. And so when people kneel, when people stand up and protest, it's specifically what we pledge to do our entire lives in school. The pledge to the United States of America and our flag for liberty and justice for all. And when people chant, no justice, no peace, to me, that's what they mean. That's what I hear. And when people kneel, they're not turning away from the flag. They're turning towards the flag and pushing for justice for all. Have you, as you may have noted in the upper corner of that thing, that was a video that was put out by the official NBA account during the riots. Uh, the NBA, of course, also put Black Lives Matter logos on the court, we now know that the Black Lives Matter movement was a complete giant grift. It never set a, set a black, uh, sent a black kid to college. It never helped uh, black businessmen open a small business or anything like that. And again, here's where Mark Cuban is just confused. Of course, you're allowed to kneel for the flag if you so choose. Um, just liberty and justice for all. We have no laws that's, that discriminate against anyone in this country on the basis of their skin. Uh, what most people were upset by when it came to that summer of love in 2020, is that they were burning down stores. And where I lived in Los Angeles, off Ventura Avenue, which is a major drag there in Los Angeles, that all of the stores were boarded up and they all put BLM signs and they would say how many employees of color they had there because they didn't want their stores to be burned down in, in the name of tolerance and diversity and love. So there is a difference between peaceful protest and burning down stores or say what they're doing now as they've morphed it into a Hamas protest, uh, blocking bridges, going to people's homes, et cetera, et cetera. But he's been confused about this for a while. And Mark Cuban, if, if you're watching this and we've interacted a little bit on Twitter, I'm doing this in a weird way. I'm, I'm not trying to attack you too personally. I'm trying to not impugn your motives because I think you could come around on the right side of this. 
But I want to show you that that the confusion that so many people have had have led to so many of the problems that we are having in Western society right now. Here's a little bit more of Mark Cuban back in 2020. So I need all of us to really open up and talk to each other, even when it's difficult, even when it's not something that we're comfortable with, particularly those of you who look like me in the white community. Because it's hard to discuss race when you're white. The reality is, and just to be brutally honest, when people talk about white privilege, we get defensive. Mechanism that I call manufacturing equivalency to try to protect ourselves. We'll say, well, I have a lot of black friends. We'll say that I grew up in a, a mixed community, so I'm not like that. I can't possibly be someone who takes advantage of white privilege. We manufacture this equivalence. And it's incumbent upon us to stop doing that. So look, Mark feels guilty, right? He is a white billionaire. He feels guilty about the success that he's had in his life, and he's trying to pay penance to these people, right? He's trying to bow to them. White privilege is a completely nonsensical, made-up term. Uh, there, there are no white power structures. America has no racist laws. Everyone has every opportunity to do whatever they want. It doesn't mean we all started in the same place, and it certainly doesn't mean we're all gonna end up in the same place. And if there were laws that were stopping a certain set of people based on the color of their skin from doing anything, that would be a problem, but we don't have those laws anymore. But he's guilty, he, he's guilty. Uh, he also uh, is a racist, apparently, uh, according to his own words. Listen to this one. I know I'm prejudiced. I know I'm bigoted in a lot of different ways. You know, and I've said this before, if I see a black kid in a hoodie at night on the other side of the street, bouncing, you know, I'm probably on the same side of the street, I'm probably gonna walk to the other side of the street. <laughs> he's a bigot, he's a bigot, and he knows he's a bigot. He sees a black guy in a hoodie, he's gonna walk, oh shit, well, it turned out to be Michael Jordan. That was a mistake, why'd I do that? Um, by the way, uh, for somebody that loves diversity, equity, and inclusion, when it comes down to something that's based in meritocracy like sports, uh, he's not a real fan of diversity, equity, and inclusion because there are currently on the Dallas Mavericks, the team of which he is the owner, there, there are 19 players. Two of them are white. Uh, I would think that if you wanted a racially balanced team, you'd get a few more white people. You might throw an Indian in there. Uh, you might throw an Asian woman. Give me a little... Something. And, and because I don't just say these things, right? I, I'm not somebody that just gets up here and just babbles for a living. I put my money where my mouth is. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but I did try out for the Dallas Mavericks last week and, and we're very excited to, to show you this. Next into the tank is a modern version of a traditional machine. Hey Sharks, I'm Dave Rubin and I'm here to try out for the Dallas Mavericks. What are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, they. How long have you played for? I've been playing for about 35 years, but more importantly, my husband's gay. What college did you play at? I played at Howard University, a historically black college. Oh, cool, who's your favorite African-American? Elon Musk. And what's your three-point percentage? 30% as a she, 42% as a they. So what's your vertical? High enough to jump Donald Trump's wall. Okay, and what would you say your signature move is? Funding lower-class abortions from out of state. Hey, what's your favorite warm-up music? The National Anthem, while kneeling. All right, I like what I've seen so far. You really love the game, but who, who is your favorite player growing up? Number 32, Carl Malone. Sticking all kind of hell up they butt. Congratulations, man. You're the newest member of the Dallas Mavericks. All right, that's true. I am now on the Dallas Mavericks. Um, they have cut, was it Luka Donick? Luka, Luka Doncic? He's regular and white. They have got rid of him, sure triple-double every night, he's gone, I'm in. Uh, Glenn Beck, my buddy Glenn Beck, uh, was on the uh, Patrick Bet David podcast a couple days ago, and they were talking a bit about Mark Cuban. And then we will move on from Mark Cuban after this. So yes, Mark, I'm poking and prodding you a little bit, but I, I think we can get you to the promised land. Uh, here's Glenn. Four. I don't know him well enough. I've done a couple of interviews with him, and I've been around him a couple of times. So I have very little to go on. But Honestly, he might be very smart in a couple of things, but when it comes to politics and everything else, the guy's a moron. He really is. He <laughs> just Cuban. he has no idea what he is talking about. He calls himself a libertarian. 
I'll give you a libertarian metal detector. There's nothing in his body that would make that thing beep. There is nothing. He's, I don't know where he thinks he's libertarian. All right. So generally, I think the point is that Mark is just confused about these things. But there's a reason I've just spent the last, you know, 12 or so minutes talking about him because Mark represents to me what I think most people are when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion and all of this leftist nonsense. They're kind of confused. They're a little guilty. Like they're not, they're not uh, evil. Like the intentions they have are not evil. But of course, uh, that road to hell is often paved with good intentions. So it's sort of irrelevant if at the end you bring people to the precipice of destroying Western society. But now I wanna to turn to some of the people that I actually believe are doing it intentionally. And I do think it's important that we make that distinction between someone that's just a little confused and whatever else, and someone that's absolutely doing it intentionally. One person who's, who has been ushering in this nonsense intentionally, and she is paid by a giant corporation, one of the biggest corporations in the entire world to put out her neo-racist nonsense every day, is Joy Reid of the televised mental institution known as MSNBC. Listen to this racist, angry nonsense coming from her. I believe this is from yesterday. Uh, also note that if she had done this about any other uh, race of people, she probably would have been fired. In America, there's a thing about both white vigilantism and white tears, particularly male white tears. Really white tears in general, because that's what Karen's are, right? They Karen out, and then as soon as they get caught, it's like, <laughs> bring waterworks. White men can get away with that too. And it has the same effect. Even as the right tries to politicize the idea that masculinity is being robbed from American men by multiculturalism and wokeism, they still want to be able to have their tears. It's really incredible what she's saying there. Now, first off, masculinity is being robbed. And generally, if you're going to chop off a generation of young children's genitals and confuse them about a whole bunch of stuff, yeah, masculinity will be robbed. And then you create a society of weak men and a society of weak men create really bad times. And then it takes suddenly another generation of strong men. And it's hard to grow strong men. It's easy to grow weak men. Uh, eventually, maybe they can create good times again. But we're, we're, we seem to be in that transition stage right now. But what's interesting is she doesn't want, it's not only that she wants it to be that white people are evil and all of those things, but also she doesn't want, when she's like mocking white tears, what she doesn't want is white, the average white person who has now been discriminated against at the to get into the school in the first place, and then the job after that, and then maybe the, the housing after that, once DEI gets into everything, right? Like, and that's the thing. It's leaked into everything. So if you are a 16-year-old kid right now, white or Asian or Jewish kid right now, the entire system is rigged against you. It is. That is just a fact. Now, not here in Florida where we've blown apart DEI, thanks to Ron DeSantis, but in most states, it really is. And it's not only, not only in America, it's, it's actually happening across Europe as well. The point is, if you're a 16-year-old kid who works real hard, well, now it's gonna be a little harder for you to get into college and a little harder for you to get into grad school and a little harder to get that job and a little harder to get into that apartment and a little harder for you to get that mortgage, blah, 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 blah. Do you think you might be racist by the time you're 50? Now it's 2042, the whole system's been rigged against you. You've watched less qualified people, qualified people get by on the color of their skin. Do you think you might be a little racist? So if you think we have a problem with all of this now, just wait to what happens in 20 years. Uh, but okay, so someone like Joy Reid, she's obviously not well-intentioned. She, she is a racist. She would gladly have systemic uh, racism built into the system where we could discriminate against white people and basically non-brown and black people because that's that's what she wants and that's what that's what they have at the moment. Oh, but she's not the only one. The other one, of course, another one of these people is Anna Navarro. Anna Navarro, who lives here in the free state of Florida and constantly rails against all of our freedoms uh, and just spouts complete and utter nonsense every day on the View. Uh, this this one's a true gem uh, about how. America is just as racist as always. Enjoy. She, you know, very casually said about uh, all men are created equal. That did not include uh, African-Americans, did not include women. She said, we fixed it along the way. As if it was a typo that they said, you know what? Let's Let me fix, fix that. Let me cross that out and put, no. It took a civil war 
700,000 almost Americans died in that civil war. You know what the equivalent of 700,000 Americans are today? Almost 7 million Americans. That would be the equivalent today. It took years and years of women marching and fighting to get equality. It wasn't until a little over 100 years ago yeah. that the 18th Amendment was ratified. You're making the reverse point, you dingbat. The people that fought for equality, the people who were writing the documents, as I always say, Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, the other founders, many of them were writing the documents that were ultimately going to free the slaves. We had a women's suffrage movement that allowed ultimately women to be able to vote and everything else, and black people got the right to vote, and all of the things that led us to equality. And then we got there, but you people said that's not good enough. So let's bring a whole bunch of racism back. And now it is, it is your functioning ethos that you push on us every day. And now you judge everyone's decisions on whether they agree with you when you look at someone only as to whether they are black or brown or sometimes whether they're just a chick. Here is fake conservative Alyssa Farah Griffin uh, basically saying that the only reason DeSantis endorsed Trump was because Nikki Haley's a woman. There's some sexism we haven't talked about. Ron DeSantis actually intellectually knows that Nikki Haley is more qualified and more fit to be the GOP nominee. He's a Harvard grad. He's a Yale undergrad. He served in the Navy. He knows Donald Trump is not better than her, and he threw in some jab at her, and she's like warmed over corporatism. I'm sorry, it's giving sexism. I also think I like Chris Christie. I respect him. Him dropping out of the race, criticizing her in leaked audio, and then refusing to back her, even though she's the only person who could possibly beat Donald Trump, it feels like the boys can't handle losing to women. We are the only nation, one of the only Western nations that's never elected a female president. Israel's had female prime ministers. Most of Europe has. There is some sort of a sexism in our politics we've just never been able to get over. Or maybe we just haven't had the right woman yet, right? Hillary Clinton got pretty damn close and then the Democrat Party decided to choose a black guy instead. Maybe Nikki Haley will do something miraculous today in New Hampshire, and then the equation will shift a little bit, and then we shall see. But you, but the broader point here is that, I, I, like, Ron DeSantis is not backing Donald Trump over Nikki Haley because she's a woman, right? And like, it's just, it's such thin nothingness, right? It's just tepid water being poured on people. It, it's It's absolute... Nothing that she is saying. But what is Alyssa Farrow really good at? She's really good at cashing a check from a giant corporation, ABC, which is owned by Disney, to be a pet Republican, to always support Republicans who will never win. So she likes Chris Christie. She was always trying to undermine Ron DeSantis when he was a threat. Now her main thing is she'll have to take out Donald Trump and you have to back the woman that's obviously not gonna win. And then they get they give her her cookie and she moves on. But of course, it's not just the political layer that that is the problem with all of this because you know it's in the educational layer and the cultural layer and everything else. Uh, but it's also that every other piece of, even if you don't care about politics, it starts infecting your life one way or another. The Hollywood portion of this, and as we always talk about, politics is downstream from culture and culture often generates itself in Hollywood, uh, is, is pretty nasty. These people have pushed drivel on us endlessly. We've seen them destroy Star Wars, we've seen Disney completely melt down, uh, and now there is a new director, I don't know if you know this, they're remaking The Wizard of Oz, which I cannot believe. We had my my cousins, my niece and nephew over a couple of weeks ago, we watched The Wizard of Oz. It's, it's perfection, it's absolute perfection. Do you guys even know this, that The Wizard of Oz is the first color movie of all time? So when the movie began, when you watch that opening of The Wizard of Oz in black and white, until they get to Oz when it becomes color, can you imagine being in the movies? What year did that come out? 1939, Brock, you're not even Googling that, you just know that off the top of your head. Brock, 1939, Wizard of Oz. Can you imagine going to the movie theater having only seen black and white movies, not that off of silent films, and then you go to the movie theater in 1939, and then you're 15 minutes into a movie and then you see color. Like, just try to think how amazing that is. Anyway, it's, it's perfection, it should never be touched. Anyway, of course, they are remaking uh, The Wizard of Oz to be a non-white Wizard of Oz. They're also remaking It's a Wonderful Life, by the same director, her name is Kenya Barris, and uh, you know, she's just about had it with you white people. You know, you can't say too much, but <clears throat> what about your perspective on it are you most excited about people seeing? And what? I actually wanna ask about both of them, both Wizard of Oz and It's a Wonderful Life. Um, Wizard of Oz for me, I, you know, it, it happens, I'm from Inglewood, it happens 
from a girl who lives in the bottoms, which is which is Darby Park, which is a part of Inglewood, and it it takes place under she falls into Inglewood, and I, it the original Inglewood took the original Wizard of Oz took place during the Great Depression, and it was about self reliance and what people are going through. I think this is a perfect time to sort of like switch with the characters and talk about what someone imagines their life could be. And it's ultimately a hero's journey. Someone thinks something is better than where they're at, and they go and, and realize that where they're at is where they should be. I want people to sort of be proud and happy about where they're from, and, but I want the world to take a look at it, um, and I hope that would, could come through. Okay, first off, I guess I have to make a correction there. Kenya appears to be a man. I mean, who am I to decide what someone's gender is? But we, had, we did a quick run-through on the show this morning, so I guess that's a man. But the point is, nobody needs to remake these things. Was The Wizard of Oz, like if, you're, if you think The Wizard of Oz wasn't gay enough for you, you are so gay, you should be studied by scientists, right? Like, you don't think that the, that the Tin Man and the Scarecrow and, the, and the, uh, the Lion, I mean, these were, these people, I don't know what they were doing, you know what I mean? Anyway, what DEI leads to is an endless decline in everything. Our products will not be as good because they will not be designed by the best engin engineers. Our, our bridges will not be as good. Our movies will not be as good. Our, our TV shows, I think I've mentioned to you once or twice, I have a friend who I cannot, uh, say her, his or her name, but it's a chick, a real chick. Um, but she is a, a legendary actress in Hollywood, a comedy actress, many, many sitcoms over the years. And uh, she basically, I can't really say this, it'll, it'll give it away too much. Anyway, they've destroyed everything in Hollywood. Can I just leave it at that? Um, but it's not just, of course, the products. It's not just, of course, the culture and the movies and everything else. Now, to get us back to the beginning of the show, remember Greg Gutfeld was talking about how if one thing maybe could stand up against DEI, it should be our military, because it does not matter if our soldiers are straight, they must at least be able to shoot straight. Uh, but this is video of Trump-appointed General Mark Milley uh, showing you how important he believes wokeism is and things that he wants to understand related to this new age racism. And I, I wanna understand white rage, and I'm white, and I wanna understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. Actually, you should read the documents, but it doesn't mean that they're all good. You could read Marxist documents and then be like, oh, well, now I understand why this is complete drivel. But instead, you guys have decided to read the ideas of diversity, equity, inclusion, and then import them into the army. And if you don't think that this is infecting the army, uh, well, actually the US Army now has its smallest military force in 80 years with the largest drop coming from, surprise, surprise, white recruits. And then you know what happens. It's not just the military that that happens with. What happens is in police forces in blue cities and blue states that have brought this woke, woke nonsense in, you get old, uh, older, more professional police officers retiring, like NYPD, which basically the NYPD was as big as a, as a small army in its heyday and kept New York City safe, especially if you look at that 20-year Rudy Giuliani, Mike Bloomberg run. Uh, they have basically forced a gajillion people into retirement. Then, because nobody wants to be part of the new NYPD anymore because their officers get abused, they're not allowed to use force, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, they feel that they're gonna end up in jail if they actually ever do any policing. Uh, then they've lowered the recruits, uh, they've lowered the qualifications for the recruits. So now you have police officers who are fat and who can't run or and are un unathletic and not that bright and a whole bunch more. And this is happening all over blue cities in America. Uh, this one is absolutely wild out of California uh, because Oakland, Oakland, which has turned into a complete, almost San Francisco level, and it's pretty close to San Francisco, almost San Francisco level dystopian nightmare. Uh, it imported all of the DEI stuff, demolished its police department, there's crime and drugs everywhere, and now guess what's happening in Oakland? They are closing an In-N-Out. I, I cannot believe this. In-N-Out, if you've never been to In-N-Out Burger, when we've, we've talked about it on the show before, we go through our favorite burgers, someone's gonna say five guys over here, someone's gonna say uh, you like the Shake Shack, you like that Burger Fi, 
In-N-Out is the best burger chain in the country. They have never closed a chain before, but adios, they can't take it in Oakland anymore. In-N-Out Burger plans to close its only restaurant in Oakland because of crime in that area. The burger chain released a statement saying the restaurant near the Oakland airport will be closing March 24th. The statement says despite taking repeated actions to make things safer for customers and employees, they're still regularly the victims of car break-ins, property damage, thefts, and armed robberies. Now, the company's statement also said, quote, this location remains a busy and profitable one for the company, but our top priority must be the safety and well-being of our customers and associates. We cannot ask them to visit or work in an unsafe environment. The company also said that all employees will be offered either a transfer to another in-and-out location or offered severance pay. You guys get how crazy that is? It is not surprising that stores can't survive because of crime in Oakland, but they're telling you we're still profitable. We're still busy and profitable. We can't keep this open because it's not safe for our employees to work here because they're breaking into the cars, they're stealing the food, et cetera, et cetera. And Oakland is gonna do jack shit about it because diversity, equity, and inclusion destroys everything. It destroys Harvard and it destroys everything down to your local border joint. And then now let's take this to the meta level of what's going on in the country. It also destroys the border. Uh, this is wild. There was a massive Supreme Court ruling yesterday and, and it is just absolutely terrible. We've got a tweet here from Greg Price. Breaking, the Supreme Court just ruled five to four that the Biden administration can remove physical barriers Texas, Texas put up at their border to stop the invasion. Barrett and Roberts voted with the liberals. I mean, this is absolutely insane. A bit more from Bill Malusian over at Fox, who does a great job going down to the border. Breaking, the Supreme Court has ruled that the Biden administration can resume removal of the razor wire installed by the state of Texas along the border near Eagle Pass, at least while litigation is ongoing. Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh all dissented. Roberts and Barrett sided with the left-leaning justices to rule in the Biden administration's favor and allow Border Patrol to remove the razor wire. The majority of the razor wire is deployed in the Shelby Park area of Eagle Pass, a city-owned uh, city property that the state of Texas recently seized control with armed soldiers and kicked the federal government out. In order to remove the wire, Texas has to allow Border Patrol back in. If they refuse, what happens? This is potentially setting up a significant state versus federal showdown if push comes to shove. And let me show you some video of this. This is absolutely incredible. So this is them removing now. Look at this, they have got a truck forklift basically lifting up the barbed wire so that people can just wander in. So the federal government has decided not to do its job, okay? The federal government is not doing one of its basic, simple, it's a simple job actually, because you know where a border is, you know how to defend it. And the Supreme Court has said, okay, the federal government isn't gonna do it, Texas tried to do a little something, we're gonna screw you over, Texas, and you're not gonna be able to do anything either. Uh, this is going to set up a massive, fight between the states and the federal government, and maybe we need to have it. Because the Supreme Court is basically saying to Texas, well, you can either secede from the union or you can just die a slow death. You can just be completely invaded or you can get the hell out of America because we're not gonna protect you. So I 100% stand with, uh, with Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas. I stand with the people of Texas and you have no, the, the federal government is not only, it's not that they're just negligent, they are intentionally awful. The fact that Comey Barrett, who everyone thought was gonna you know, really make this a, a conservative leaning law abiding Supreme Court and John Roberts, that they voted alongside the liberals on this. I mean, this is, this is evil, evil, evil stuff. But they continue to lie about everything. And uh, you know this, right? The uh, Alexander Solzhenitsyn quote, we, quote, we know they're lying, they know they're lying, they know that we know they're lying and they continue to lie. Uh, here's some compilations of uh, Biden, Kamala Harris, Mayorkas, and a whole bunch of others just lying about the border. Now we just showed you, or in case you forget, we just showed you a video of a forklift uh, lifting up barbed wire to let people into the country. Does that seem like a safe border? Uh, here's the lying liars lying. It is my testimony that the border is secure. The president have worked very, very hard to implement a strategy when it comes to the border that is humane, safe, and, and has orderly enforcement. Things are going at the border, sir. Much better, than, much, much better than you all expected. <laughs> we have 
a secure border and that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. We have responded with a model approach that has proven to work. We have taken unprecedented action over the past year and a half to secure our border. And we have a process in place to manage migrants at the border. We're working to make sure it's safe and orderly and humane. The border is closed. We agree that uh, the border is secure. We're executing a comprehensive strategy to secure our borders. One of our highest priorities is to ensure that we have a secure border. And that is what we are doing. We are stopping the flow at the border. The border is secure. These people should all be impeached or removed from their job. Like, that's what the, the Republicans should be pushing on more than anything else. You want to impeach Joe Biden? I mean, I think it's a waste anyway over the Hunter Biden stuff. You impeach him over this. Mayorkas has got to go. These people are lying. I, but I get it. The system does not work as it should. But we must keep exposing them for it. Now, one interesting thing is there seems to be one sane Democrat. And I cannot believe this. I, this man deserves an award. I would like to send this man an award. The one sane Democrat is the senator from Pennsylvania. The guy that we all thought had brain damage has turned out to be the one sane Democrat. It's wild. Yes, it's John Fetterman making sense. Because <laughs> obviously a lot of progressives on Twitter have been attacking you for your position on Israel, uh, for noting that, in your opinion, um, saying that there is a crisis at the border does not make one uh, xenophobic. Um, why do you think you've been so criticized by so many progressives? I honestly don't understand. I, I don't understand why it's controversial to anybody to decide that you're going to stand with Israel in this situation. I honestly don't understand why it's controversial to say we, we need a secure border. Uh, and I think two things can be true at the same time. You can be very supportive of immigration, but we also need to have a secure border. And I really, I think about immigration is we want to provide the American dream for any uh, migrant. But it seems very difficult when you have 300,000 people showing up encountered at, at our border to do that. And I think we need to, to re, do a reset and we have to work together uh, and develop uh, a new comprehensive solution to that. John Fetterman is like the movie Awakenings. Do you guys see the movie Awakenings? Remember, it's Robert De Niro and, and Robin Williams is the doctor and they start, he, De Niro is in like a coma and they put him on this experimental medication and he, sort of, and he comes back to life and he's, he's okay again. Fetterman, when he sort of had brain damage, was a progressive. Now he's getting out of that. Like whatever happened to him medically, he's getting out of that and he's becoming a conservative. It's a freaking miracle. But okay, Fetterman calling out his own side. Now it's interesting. He keeps saying, I don't really understand it. Now, I think we've laid out a case over the last 45 minutes or so that th there is a way to understand what these people are doing, that they are Marxists. They don't like our freedoms. They don't like individual choice. They don't like America. They don't like our founding, all of those things. I think Fetterman ironically will get there. It seems like he is on his way and, and we'll see how he becomes anathema to the, to the rest of the party as the party goes off the deep end. But I wanna connect this to something else that we showed you last week and we've showed you before, but it is worth noting again. Uh, this is from about six months ago when Bernie Sanders went on Bill Maher and Bill Maher asked him about the difference between equality and equity. Because these people simply, when, when John Fetterman says, well, I don't really get it yet, you can sh he's, look, he's trying to find the answers. That is in stark contrast to someone like Bernie Sanders, who has been a lifelong socialist, who became a millionaire with three houses in our capitalist system, who has ushered in all this nonsense, and when, when given the slightest pushback on his ideas, can you just explain Socialism 101, the difference between equity and equality, he simply doesn't know anything. So uh, the reason I'm showing you this clip again is you must understand that a lot of the people that we're fighting against, yeah, there are bad guys like Joy Reid, but then, there are sort of confused people like Mark Cuban and there are bad guys like Joy Reid. And then there's a whole bunch of people like Bernie Sanders who don't even know what they're saying. And that's why if you're still a Democrat right now or you're left leaning, call out your own side before they go off into the abyss. DEI, are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years. And before that, we didn't hear it a lot. And I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality. Yeah. That, like it's the same word. And it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society, we want all people 
right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more a guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think... I think so. I think that's okay. Right. So which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, which... Equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. I'm sorry, that clip will never get old. I don't know how many more times we're gonna show you that, but like, it will never get old. That should have ended the grift right there. Bernie should have just moved, left, gone into a cave somewhere, moved into one of his three houses and never been seen again. But the point is a bunch of people who don't really know what they're talking about, Mark Cuban, and a bunch of people who have pushed this nonsense and have no idea what they're talking about, Bernie Sanders, they've, they've somehow taken over the whole narrative. But now a whole bunch of us are pushing back even John freaking Fetterman. So what do you do? Call out your own side. Congratulations to Bill Maher, who's been doing it for a long time, even if, even if he doesn't get to the conclusion I want him to get to. Congratulations to John Fetterman, who's doing it right now. But even more importantly than that, regardless of what political side you're on, provide, provide a better vision, a positive vision, an inspirational vision, something that actually shows and illustrates and illuminates your alternative to the DEI framework. It's something like meritocracy, something like the things that America was founded upon. Ben Shapiro and Elon Musk. So when you look at the state of the West right now, you know, somebody, maybe it's the, all the doom scrolling, but when, you, when you, uh, you know, look at the state of the West right now, you're very optimistic, it sounds like. Uh, you know, I, I find it hard to be optimistic in, uh, in this moment. It's been a very ugly couple of years, you know, from Ukraine to the current conflict in Israel and Hamas. Uh, to domestic politics in the United States and everywhere else, it seems like there's a lot of polarization, a lot of fragmentation. Now, what do you think is the future of, of the West? Can we come together around any sense of shared common values? You know, I, I, think, I think there are some things that we can agree on, or most people would agree on, are cool and inspiring, like uh, humanity going to the moon. You know, if you ask, probably kids almost anywhere in the world. What's the coolest thing humans have ever done? I think a lot of kids would say, we went to the moon, you know? Um, and uh, so I think we want to continue that spirit of exploration. Um, you know, speaking of kind of growing the pie and it is, is that we, we want to, I think, have a dream that we can be uh, a space-faring civilization, a multi-planet species, a multi-stellar species, and go out there among the stars and, and discover the nature of the universe. Um, that we can collectively seek greater enlightenment um, to better understand this incredible universe we live in. Um, I find that very compelling. I, I think I think most people would find that very compelling. I think embedded in that is also, as you say, that core value of meritocracy. Because it's one thing to say man can go to the moon. It's another thing to say I can be part of man going to the moon. And a meritocracy suggests that you can be part of that. It's not just that human beings are capable of doing the thing. It's that you can be a part of that thing if you work hard enough, if you innovate enough, yeah. if you try hard enough. And so societies that seem to have given up on that also seem to have given up on, on going to the moon. Societies that are so reflective about their own supposed flaws, the United States has this problem right now, that they, that they are unwilling to, to simply say freedom is pretty phenomenal and, and meritocracy is the greatest thing that's ever been invented and we should hold on to that and that's what's going to allow us to get to the moon. That, that stops us from going to the moon or to Mars or to anywhere else. So the choice is yours, guys. You can navel gaze and try to think back to all of our problems and were we racist once and was someone mean to me and I've got problems and the world's against me and I'm this color and I'm this gender and I'm this sexuality and woe is me. I'm gonna burn everything down and nobody will go over a bridge again and I'm gonna burn that baby. Or you could say, you know what? I've got some skills, I've got some worth, I've got some value, I'm gonna try to do something on this planet. And not only am I gonna do something on this planet, but maybe we'll start going to other planets. And maybe we can actually go to the undiscovered country and we can uncover the mysteries of the universe. And maybe within our lifetimes, we can be on other planets and doing things that are, that are absolutely magical, things that we cannot even think of at the moment might just be on the horizon. 
with AI and planetary travel and so much more. So which one of those sounds inspirational to you? Which one of those sounds aspirational to you? You tell me. Part one of my interview with Mike Baker, former CIA operative Mike Baker, super interesting interview. It is up across platforms now. The full thing's up on Locals at the moment. Uh, People of the Internet is live at 1 p.m. today. That's in uh, about 55 minutes from now. Uh, post-game show coming up right this very moment, rubenreport.locals.com. We leave you with the World Economic Forum. Reminder, those are not the good guys, and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.